0: Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. All right, what's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about young adults and reaching those young adults in our world today. Like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah Josiah, how are you doing? You have a half a cup of coffee, and you feeling good?
1: Great, Micah, how are you?
0: Oh, he has his whole, you guys, his regimen. He has orange juice, he has his coffee, and then he usually has some type of LaCroix or bubbly, so
1: I told Micah, he's a
0: well hydrated. I
1: told Micah <laughs> that after my morning run, this is my hydration sequence. So, not a professional athlete, but man, I sure tried. I gave it my best shot. And here today, just hydrates, have fun. How are
0: you, babe? I'm doing well. I'm super excited to see who um, you have behind the scenes right now that you're going to reveal to our listeners today. a very special guest who has said yes. It is a little earlier on the West Coast today, so it is 9 a.m. their time, and we're going to be tuning in with somebody that we really look forward to hearing what God is doing, how they've said yes to his calling, and how that transition has been affecting thousands of people, and hopefully you guys as listeners today. So, Josiah, Without further ado, who do we have as our special guest today on this podcast?
1: Totally. Welcome to season four. We're excited about that. There's already four seasons. This is the ninth episode of season four. And if you're tuning in for the first time, we just want to say welcome. Thanks for checking things out. Mm -hmm. We hope that you'll stick around for a few episodes and um, leave us feedback. Let us know what you think. If you've been a longtime listener, part of the loyal tribe of people tuning in each week on Monday, you know that this drops at 8 a.m. On Monday, this morning, Thursday, I just opened the iTunes app and I saw that a brand new review popped up. Haven't done this before, but I just thought this was really cool. Thursday morning, as we record this right now, Stars on iTunes says, thank you. Super grateful for this podcast. One episode in and I'm already hooked. So shout out to you. Thanks for tuning into episode. Hope you pick a good one and uh, (laughs) hope you'll come on back and, and enjoy the shout out the show and without anything else I just want to say welcome to our guest Brad Ormonde Jr. is part of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. He's the young adult pastor there. It's a great church in Southern California led by Pastor Greg Laurie. Harvest Young Adults is all about worship, grow, and belong. So we're really glad to have some time together. Thanks for chatting with us today Brad.
2: Oh man you guys thank you for having me for real. It's an honor.
0: Well, we are excited that you are here and that we are able to record this with you, but we're going to kick off right now for a listener who maybe doesn't know who you are or know your story. Brad, will you be willing to share your story, the journey of your life, maybe faith, leadership, family with us, and just with our audience today?
2: Yeah, for sure. So i have grown up here at the church at harvest in riverside uh by the way west coast is best coast i don't know if you've heard that before but there's a reason for the sunshine and the sunsets and so we're just we're, we're thankful to be where we are but i'm i'm 31 years old and i've been at harvest for 31
1: years It's amazing. my mom said
2: that my my first time on campus was when i was six months old in the nursery on a Sunday morning and I grew up through the church through every single ministry we've had from uh, the nursery to children's ministry to our junior high and high school to even being a college student in our college ministry itself to being an intern through our junior high ministry. That's kind of where my ministry kicked off. I didn't realize it at the time. I wanted to be a professional basketball player and uh, that didn't work out so well, but I wanted to um, be in, in ministry to some capacity And yet I didn't even realize it at the time because in junior high, I wanted to hang out with my friends. I wanted to throw a dodgeball at a kid, like who doesn't want to do that and then call it ministry and then get paid for doing that. And so the calling on my life was so different. I didn't realize it at the time. Um, But here I am now um, serving at the church for over 20 years. I've been on staff for 15 years. I met my wife here. We were actually middle school students in the, in the youth ministry at the time when we got to know each other. And um, in fact, my older sister was my wife's camp counselor at a summer camp one year. And we, we've seen pictures of, of them together even before they were sister-in-laws. And so we met in middle school, reconnected in college, um, got to hang out, become friends. We got married seven years ago. I have two beautiful children. Um, Finley is my oldest. She's five and a half. Avery is four. And I am more than stoked to be a girl dad. It is my passion. It's my joy. I love it so much. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, People always ask like, Hey, are you gonna have a boy anytime soon? It's like, no, I don't, I don't need a boy. Like I got my two girls and yeah, they love to golf with me. They love to go to the beach. Like we love to do all kinds of family stuff. And so, um, you know, obviously we've seen our seasons of Uh, of suffering but nevertheless like God has been faithful through that and here we are um, overseeing our young adult ministry here at the church it's just been an honor to be a part of what Pastor Greg's vision is through Harvest Crusades and through global outreach with evangelism and things like that and we we take that evangelistic approach into everything that we do and so um, and even for such a time as this with the the current climate of our culture we have opportunities that maybe we've never had before. So it's just it's it's an honor to be with you guys, and it's an honor to be where uh, God has placed us right now.
1: Totally, one hundred percent. That's a really fun story. I'm learning some new things about you, and I just want to pick apart the intro for a second. I've never done this, but hey, yeah. okay, you wanted to be a professional athlete playing basketball. Do you have a morning hydration situation? What what's your regimen?
2: So I am <clears throat> I am a huge coffee guy. Like. It's not just drinking coffee. I brew my own coffee. I have an entire kit at home and even here in my office where I grind the beans.
0: Oh, the I do
2: the po- Oh, yeah. I have a coffee lab. I do. For real. I'm not even kidding you. And I, I brew it. I, I grind the beans. I got the kettle to the certain temperature. The grind's got to be right. I get my coffee from all different third wave coffee shops. And so I'm a huge coffee nerd. It's not just drinking the coffee. Like, I am fully enveloped in the whole culture of coffee. So, um, coffee is something that I start with and it's black, black coffee only, like it's how God intended it. So that's just how I, that's how I drink my coffee in the morning. I try to hydrate through the day with some water obviously, but I'm, I'm a very simple guy. It's like coffee, water, and iced tea sometimes. And that's it. Like, that's just all I, I gravitate to. And I, I I must confess that when I do stumble, I do get a sugar-free Red Bull. I won't lie about that. It's just, It's something I do when I just need something quick.
1: (laughs) So if if Micah and I find ourselves in SoCal sometime soon, soaking up the sunshine, just enjoying life, which third wave coffee shop are we going to find ourselves sitting across the table from you at?
2: Oh man, come on. So I've got a friend who owns a coffee shop here in Riverside. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Arcade Coffee Roasters they are on food and wines number six what? Of, of best coffees in the u.s right now and they are an amazing couple um stevie and ashley they are an awesome couple they attend a local church here and their coffee is absolutely amazing so when i'm when i'm in riverside i'm near my house it's arcade coffee we've got another one local which is called Auggies. Auggies is another great coffee shop and then if we're going down to the beach if we're going down and, and kicking it on the sand for a little bit, I'm going to either Lord. hit up uh, Blue Bottle Coffee or Portola. Those are the two spots down there that are, are perfect for a little cold brew for your afternoon or
1: something like that. Amazing. <clears throat> Minneapolis has a pretty decent third, third wave coffee situation, too. And so if you're ever here, five watt coffee is, is pretty notable. Okay um a few others any
0: any others well there's pennies there's some pennies that have had really to good. close so that's what i don't know if they're going to be okay. started because there was yeah. the, um, the bachelor, bachelor
1: farmer. farmer i'm still sad about that wow so we'll
0: see after covid if they can no up and reboot because that's what we're looking forward to i never started drinking coffee bread until i was 25 i was like wow really love the smell even as a little kid when i go on vacation i'm like on vacation (laughs) at my aunt and uncle's house you know and then as I got older I was like not in college 25 had my first cup and I'm like oh that's that's when like the Keurig came out and I'm like oh Oh, Keurig cups game over (laughs) yep
1: so good and I'll just say one more thing how cool that you are like a product of Harvest Christian Fellowship like yeah, you know, from meeting your wife there, I would imagine getting baptized there, giving your heart yeah. to Christ, like all of these milestones, yeah. and how to invest or really reinvest right. into your home church that's invested so much in you. Right. Even further than hurt. that,
2: too, is my dad is a pastor here, too. And so he's wow. one of our ad- administrative pastors here at the church. And so not only am I enveloped in it myself, but I've also been taught by my dad the, the different leadership and characteristic lessons through life. Like I, I know that, you know, people talk about, uh, their dad being their, their legend and stuff like that, but it's funny because you don't really notice it in the moment until maybe you become a parent. Um, for me specifically, like throughout my basketball career, I call it a career, like as if I had one, but throughout high school, um, I, I wanted to do everything I could to be the best basketball player on the court always. And Anytime my mom and dad would be at our games, my mom would take me to the game, and then my dad would come from work, from the church, and come to the gym. And when I would go home with my mom, I knew I had a good game. I scored a lot of points, and things were really good. When I went home with my dad, oh. I knew that it was a leadership lesson or, or some character lesson that I was going to get on the car ride home. So I always wanted to drive home with my mom because I didn't want the lesson because my dad was like, hey, yeah, cool, you scored 20 points, that's great, but you did this. And I'm like, I don't even remember that. And so I remember growing up, always wanting the MVP award. Like who doesn't want that? You, you pursue it as, as an athlete. And so I, I tried every single year to get it. And I will say I probably deserved it. But even more than that, I always got the Christian Character Award. I was at a private high school and I always got the Christian Character Award. I'm like, I don't want the Christian Character Award but I have to give props to my dad because he is the one who instilled that in me. And if it weren't for him pulling me aside and having those weird conversations, he's like, you played a great game, but in fact your game was actually worse than you thought because you yelled at the ref or you were disrespectful here. Like he would tell me to go and apologize to the ref the next time I saw him. And I'm like, like what, that like the ref's probably not even going to remember that. He's like, it doesn't matter you remember it. And so does God. And I'm like, okay. So uh, like I appreciate those things. And in the moment, I never did. And looking back on it now, like not only has he taught me lessons on being a father, on being a husband, but also as being a pastor. And so like i everything that I attribute to my success comes from my dad, who has trusted God through throughout his entire
1: life. That's beautiful. I love that. That is so fun. And we're gonna have a fun conversation like we already have. and Brad, we're gonna dive into. Um, finding strength in suffering, as well as equipping the local church. But before we do, will you just tell us a little bit about Harvest Young Adults?
2: Yeah, for sure. So our Harvest Young Adult ministry, it's gone through different seasons. Um, You know, Harvest has been around for 45 years. And there have been different versions of a college young adult ministry Um, over the years and so it started as a vision of wanting to reach younger people younger families people who are in the community but don't maybe necessarily feel like they fit into the church somehow and so this young adult ministry that we have um, has really been birthed from the desire of reaching young families and young people and even specifically within Riverside because we have other campuses we have a campus in Orange County we have a campus in Maui Hawaii are you kidding me
1: and hallelujah, hallelujah. So, is that crazy? Praise Come Lord.
2: on. And so specific to Riverside, I can speak to this. We've seen a, a boom in millennials moving here um, because of the different universities we have around here as well. We've got uh, UCR, which is a University of California, Riverside. We've got um, another Cal State down the street. We've got so many different universities. CBU is another big one, Cal Baptist University. They're booming. They're growing. They're taking over the entire city. And so there are so many college aged people who are moving here to Riverside for school. And it's our heart's desire to minister to them in any way that we can. And as as you guys know, they, they desire an element of hearing what God's word has to say and being able to apply it, but also understanding like how we apply it can actually make a lot of change and the social injustices that we're experiencing, even in our own culture today. Like, I, I think these young adults are are eager to not only learn, but they want to serve. They want to be on campus and they want to be in their community doing service projects and helping people who are um, less fortunate than we are. And it has been an amazing thing to see the impact of what we've been able to do through our ministry. And so Harvest Young Adults exists, like you said earlier, to worship, grow, and belong. And the desire behind that is ultimately like we would understand our our worship in and of itself is not just an act. You know, we, we put our hands up or whatever, but it's an, it's an attitude behind the action because we don't just worship during song. We can worship by the way that we speak, by the way that we fellowship and in community and things like that. And obviously we want them to grow because there's no such thing as a stagnant Christian. There's not a Christian who just kind of like, well, I, I've, I've actually been okay with how much I've learned and I'm just going to stop there and be content with that. Um, you know, pastor Greg has always said a a Christian who's not moving forward is a Christian who's moving backwards. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's so true because if we're not moving forward and we're not progressing, Mm -hmm. um, then we're going to find ourselves, you know, sliding back into these other, uh, habits that we've been trying to unlearn through that and then belong. Like people want to belong. They want to have a community. They want to know that they have an identity somewhere. And What better way to find identity than in Jesus? Because that's ultimately where our where our identity comes from. We were made in his image and we were created for a purpose and we're now trying to live out that purpose through our young adult ministry.
0: I think that's so good. Brad, I just think that you have been able to minister to the hearts of so many young adults, and your church has been there, like you said, for 45 years, ministering to the community, ministering to the universities, ministering to the neighbors. But You've also been in a season where God was ministering to your heart, and um, part of your story is a powerful testimony of finding strength in the midst of suffering. And we know that um, as our listeners listen, there's going to be somebody that's in a season of suffering or in a season of loss or in a season of transition or however you want to, you know, whatever that suffering looks like for the listener today. Would you share about your story of suffering and how God met you in that process?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, growing up at the church um, and being a PK, a pastor's kid, I always had to I always felt like I had to put up a front, like I had to let other people know that I was the good Christian boy. And I, I was the one who um, did everything right. I was very religious. And, you know, I, I spoke Christianese, and I, I I used all the Christian language of uh, trying to know that my life was put together. And, you, you know, you, you, you learn a lot of great things through youth ministry and, and children's ministry, you know, Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. But then you get to a point in your life where something dramatic happens, and then you start to put the things you've learned to the test, wondering if they were actually true this whole time. And that kind of became something for me that I didn't fully understand at the time. So when I was 13 years old, um, it's it's bad enough when you're a teenager and your your body is changing and your your emotions are changing. You're already going through enough as it is. But at 13 years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. and that is not um diet related i know people always say oh well you have diabetes like here take some pills and you know hopefully it'll go away this is something where my pancreas does not work and so i have to Mm -hmm. actually inject myself with insulin because our bodies produce insulin and those are some of the misconceptions about diabetes which has actually allowed my wife and i to be very vocal in the diabetic community Mm -hmm. because people have misconceptions about god and they have misconceptions about the health through diabetes as well and so for us It was something uh, at that time where I was just like, whoa, hold on, like, time out, God. I heard growing up that you were good, that you loved me, that everything you had for me was a blessing, and none of this adds up right now. This does not make sense to everything that I've learned, and it wasn't that I wasn't taught right, but I think what it was is that, you know, I, I think everyone's intention in children's ministry or in Sunday school is that you would know Jesus, and, and there's no doubt about that. But then when, when trial hits, it's not always the easiest thing to go through.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: I was hospitalized for five days. Um, a, a, a person's blood sugar whose pancreas does work, who doesn't need to produce insulin other than their own, is around 70 to 100. You know, you, maybe you've seen people who prick their finger and mm-hmm. they draw blood from their finger. They put it on this test strip, and it reads a number on a screen. That number for anyone who has a normal working pancreas should be like seventy to about maybe one forty that 's like a normal healthy range and For me, when I was diagnosed, my blood sugar was in the range of like seven hundred, and it was because my body was not producing insulin, so it wasn't able to counteract the the carbs and everything else and i don 't want to not a nutritionist, so i don't want to get into it but there there was that moment of just like, Hey, you need to be hospitalized because this could potentially kill you. Mm-hmm. And so my mom knew the symptoms. She saw it. We went and got all the tests and the doctor was like, you need to get him to the hospital ASAP. Like I can't believe he actually is not in a coma right now because of how high your blood sugar is and whatnot. So for five days I'm in the hospital and you, you know, my dad being a pastor and everything else, like we had so many pastors coming to the, the hospital vi- to visit me. And it was just kind of like, Everything they were saying was just kind of hitting deaf ears. It was like, that's great. Okay, you're going to tell me the same thing the last person told me that came into the hospital room. You're going to tell me the same thing I heard in youth group. Like, okay, that's great. That's fine. Whatever. It still doesn't make sense. And so after I got out of the hospital for the next six to eight months, I went to church. I played the part. I did the thing, but it was all a mask. I was wearing this mask because I was parading the idea that everything was good and it wasn't until i had a moment where i broke down in my kitchen at home when i was 13 i I remember this very vividly and i was just like god i can't do this anymore like this doesn't add up to christianity it doesn't add up to what i believe you to be and there was depression there were suicidal thoughts um i think i was too scared to actually uh, act upon that but nevertheless like it was there no doubt and through that season, I did kind of one of those, like, God, if you can show yourself to me, if you can prove that you're real and that you're good, even through this, like I'll serve you for the rest of my life kind of thing. And so I just remember doing one of those Bible flips, you know, you kind of flip your Bible and the pages just keep flipping and then you just randomly open somewhere. And so I, I did that and I started reading and I read second Corinthians 12, where Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh. And he continues to ask God. In fact, he asks God three times, like, would you take this away from me? And those were my prayers. My prayers were God, would you take this away from me? Would you actually remove this from my life so that I don't have to deal with this anymore? And I remember like, whoa, Paul is saying the same thing I'm saying right now like that. That's crazy. What in the world? And then I go to God's response to Paul and he says, my grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that, like, what is grace and like, what does all of that mean? And so I, I studied it a little bit further. And then I discovered, like, even despite what we go through in life, God is still good. And that's what I saw grace as being like, yeah, your life sucks. And this isn't, this is inconvenient, but you're still alive. And so, and and to be honest with you, from that point on, I stopped praying for a cure. I stopped for, for me personally, I, I hope there's a cure that comes out, no doubt. But I stopped asking for that spiritual um, healing that, that miraculous healing that we see throughout scripture when Jesus is healing people, because I realized that it was then that God was calling me into ministry without even knowing it. Mm -hmm. Two days later, after that conversation I had with God, I get a phone call from my dad. Hey, there's a 10 year old boy who was just diagnosed with diabetes. He's in the hospital. Can, will you come with me to the hospital to talk to him? And I'm like,
0: what the heck? Mm -hmm.
2: Like, yeah, I'll talk to him for sure. Um, And then, you know, fast forward 15 years, my wife and I are married. We have our first kid and at one years old, my oldest daughter was diagnosed with the exact same thing. What one year old in this world
1: deserves to
2: have something like that? Like, it doesn't make sense. And even it brought back all those emotions and it flooded back this thing of like, God, can I trust you? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like you and I had a deal for sure. But I thought that like maybe it was an inheritance that my kids would also receive that blessing as well. And to have a one-year-old diagnosed with everything that you were diagnosed with doesn't make sense at all, especially through the pain of having to inject your daughter with a needle to give her a medicine that literally if we don't do that, it would kill her. Mm -hmm. And if we give her too much of that insulin, it could also kill her. It didn't make sense. And then once we got out of the hospital with my daughter, I realized she was diagnosed on the exact same day that I was
1: 15
2: years apart. It doesn't make sense. And only God could do something like that. And so I stopped praying for a miraculous healing for me. But since that day, I have not stopped praying for a miraculous healing for my daughter. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize in that moment, even at 13, when we were, when I was being called into ministry at the time that I thought, once we got out of the hospital with my daughter, I got another phone call from a pastor here at the church. He said, Hey, there's a nine-year-old girl who was just up at a youth camp. She was diagnosed with type one diabetes up at the camp. Can you go visit her in the hospital? I was like, absolutely no problem. And I go and visit her and she's in the exact same room that I was just in a week earlier with my daughter. And I'm now talking to this young girl and her kid and her parents about this diagnosis So now not only do I understand what it's like to have it, but now I understand what it's like as a parent. So not only am I ministering to this young person who's been diagnosed with it, but I'm now able to talk to the parent who's also dealing with this diagnosis as well. Fast forward another week, my aunt who lives in Texas calls me and says, hey, we have friends who are from Texas who are at Disneyland doing the whole Disney thing. And their five-year-old passed out at Disneyland, took them to the hospital. They were just diagnosed with type one diabetes. They were at the exact same hospital in the room next door that I was just in a week earlier with that family, a week earlier with my kids. And I'm able to talk to this five-year-old kid and I'm able to talk to these parents. So it's like, I would have never written that script for my life. Right. If I saw the narrative throughout my whole life, I would have never said that that's what I wanted. I would have never approved God's script for my life if that were the case. But And, and I think when suffering comes, like, we know that Jesus tells us, Hey, if you're going to follow me, just know, like you're going to experience this. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And Mm -hmm. knowing that helps you catapult yourself into a faith that my wife and I've never had before. Our, our faith was so rocked. And yet we know that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And our faith was tested, and our faith allowed us to to trust in God through those moments. So I think what we learn in our suffering, for anyone who's listening, what we learn in the shadows, what what, what we learn in the shadows, what God teaches us in the shadows, we get to exclaim from the mountaintop. You know, I, I like in like Psalm 23, David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, At the end of Psalm 23, we see this feast that David has. It's a victorious thing. And so my interpretation of that is, yeah, you're going to go through a season where you're in the valley. It's going to feel really dark. It's going to feel like death is at your doorstep. But it's just a valley and you're just passing through. Because at the end of that valley, there's a victory to be won and there's a feast to be had. And God has given you that victory so long as you remember that you don't need to fear anything because God is with you every step of the way.
0: That's good.
1: That is a powerful testimony. and I've heard so many people share things like out of your darkest moments or deepest hurts or mm-hmm. the places that maybe you've experienced the most suffering can become a platform for God to use for his kingdom to advance yeah. the ministry right. opportunity to come out of maybe a deep hurt could be a, a deep ministry opportunity, but I've never heard somebody go, well, then this is what happened is 15 years later to the date. And then one week later in the same room and another week later at the same hospital and the following. Yeah. Week. And it's, it's just like if you were ever a person who was skeptical or yeah. had the inclination to doubt, you begin to go, man, that coincidence.
0: Lord, I right. Know.
1: Right. <laughs> right. And, and don't, and don't get me wrong. Like
2: I, I had my moments, I had my moments of like, God, what in the world? Like, why are you allowing this? You know, the Bible says, don't, don't believe that God is the author of these things because he, you know, when we're tempted, it's not God who's tempting us. Um, but nevertheless, we, we see the story of Job, how he allowed Satan to entertain the idea of, of testing Job and things like that. And so it, it wasn't a matter of not trusting God. It was just like, why me? Mm-hmm. And I, I think there might be people there who, who think that as well. I, I don't want to be polished and, and sound like I had it all together. Like, well, praise God. Like this is our ministry opportunity. Oh, it was the darkest season of our life and and again if that if that was the script that god would have given me oh your one-year-old's going to be diagnosed with this thing so be careful about how much medicine you give her uh, more or less because it has the potential of killing her oh and by the way you have to do that every single day Mm -hmm. um we literally are on the brink on the verge of of life and death every single day of every single moment and we, we don't expect everyone to understand that we get it we we are not you know asking for a pity party but what i think people can learn from our story and from anyone else's story with suffering you know they say that if you're speaking to a crowd um, who's dealing with suffering you'll never not have an audience yeah you know you'll always have someone to speak into someone's life because there is suffering all over the world and people sometimes just don't want to admit it but regardless of that we know that there is a god in heaven who loves us and he sent his son in our place that we might be saved from our sins and knowing that our suffering has purpose and it has meaning because it means that God is at work in us. Because maybe the suffering that we're going through is the thing that's going to minister to someone that maybe someone else couldn't. Regardless of suffering, God is using our suffering to point us back to the reality that he is good, despite how bad the situation is.
1: Yeah, that's tremendous insight. And let me ask you this, Brad, like for the, for the person who's you know, son or daughter is in the midst of medical trauma or just challenges for the listener who's in the middle of a breakup or just devastation emotionally, what would you tell somebody, whatever their suffering is, what would you tell somebody who's in the thick of it right now?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the biggest thing is taking it one moment at a time. Like that's more the practical approach. Mm-hmm. Just take it one, one moment at a time. Um, each moment can change each day is different you have good days you have bad days but regardless of whatever you're going through um, you know I, I remember what Job 23 10 says God says but I he knows the way that I take and when he has tried me I shall come forth as gold gold's refinement process is not one of ease it's put in the fire it's tested and what happens in the testing is the infirmities or the the impurities yeah. come to the surface and they're scraped away. And I think in our suffering and, and in all that we experience in life, God is allowing the heat to bring the impurities to the top so that he can scrape them away. And so then that then becomes the, the pre- the presentation of the gold to the rest of the world. Like, look at this gold that I have, I have allowed to go through the impurity process of refining it. And so, um, take it one moment at a time, but also know that even even in my own experience, the Bible says that we can um, give comfort as we have been comforted. You know there are there are people who have gone before me who have dealt through similar experiences, and some who have dealt with even more drastic experiences. Regardless of that, God has told us that the things that we go through in this life are those that we can o- not only receive comfort in our moment, but when someone else has a moment, we actually get to um, comfort them through that season. And that's where the that's where the body and the belonging to a community
1: mm-hmm. really
2: comes together. And you see it played out. You know, Galatians 6, 1 says to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Like that in and of itself is a, a very practical way of bearing a burden of
0: someone else. That's so good. I think that's just a great um, illumination of what the local church what we're supposed to be and who yes. we're supposed to be as a people and Brad just even hearing your heart for worship and growth and belonging as being one of the values of Harvest Young Adults can you share those different aspects and different avenues of how do you as a ministry live that out each and every single event or day or even through your life of volunteers however you download um, and just process that I guess as a church and as a community can you share with us about that?
2: Yeah, totally. I think what uh what we desire because we've seen so much injustice or we've seen so much hatred is that we don't want to just become another voice in the crowd. You know, everyone's just chirping at each other right now. There's there's no conversating, it's all debating. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, this side is saying this and this side is saying that. And what is the church going to do in the midst of that? Regardless of of what is happening in our culture. And we know that this isn't the end. There are gonna be other injustices that come up that, that are gonna come into play. And there's no there's no denying that. But I think what we can learn from this is knowing that we as a church and, and even as a global church, have the opportunity to present the gospel in a way that maybe we've never had before. You know, everyone's offended right now by everything. You know, we're offended by the way that people look at us or by the way, that our friends don't like the things on on social media that we thought they should like. And so we get offended all the time. And the gospel is offensive because it tells us what's wrong with us. But what it also does is it gives us the solution. And I I liken the idea of, you know, we want the blessing. We want the anointing from God to to be in ministry or to, you know, be successful in life. And I've heard it said before that we want the kingdom without the king. We want all the perks. We want all the amenities. We want all the, the things that come to it. We want the mini bar, but we don't want to pay for it. We want the fridge in the hotel, but we don't want to pay the $25 fee. Those are the things, even like, when it comes to, um, kingdom logic is what I like to call it. It's this idea of knowing that there is a, a certain idea in play of knowing that God is at work behind the scenes. And even through like the book of Ecclesiastes, we see God take a back seat and he takes a backstage and he puts us as the lead role in this life. And he says, this is how it should be lived out. And now I'm going to let you live it out. And Solomon realizes he gained all these things and he had all these possessions and anything anyone would have ever wanted in history. And this guy comes to the end of his life and he says it was all worthless. It meant nothing. And so I think that has a lot of weight to it when it comes to this reality of knowing, you know, Jesus says, what is a prophet of man? If he gains the whole world, but loses his soul. Like at what cost are we willing to lose our soul? At what cost are we willing to gain all of this knowledge or all this material possession? And at what point do we just give it all away or do we trust God through the process? And so I think for us, when we think of, How can harvest young adults impact the community? Through worship and growth and belonging, there is an element where we believe that God has created us for a purpose, and we have to go back to God in that because we didn't create our own purpose. We cannot tell us what our purpose is because we didn't create us. If God is the creator, as we believe as Christians, We have to go back to what God created us for, why he created us, and what our intended purpose is. Because every single person has a purpose. There's no denying that. We are all here for a reason with a particular set of gifts that you have, that I have, and that each other may, may not work out in the same way. You have gifts I don't have because God wants to use you in a way that I potentially could not be used in that way. And so God has given me this story of of suffering and overcoming this, um, this disease that has hit over 100 million Americans in a way that maybe you guys couldn't or someone listening couldn't. And even for the listener, they're going through something because God has appointed them as an ambassador to be a voice in a place where there is injustice or there is no love or there is just a suffering that's so unique that we wouldn't understand it. If we yeah. were in a position of suffering, and so I think that through our suffering we have a great platform to um, use as an opportunity to bring about adding more kingdom in or more people into the kingdom daily. Those who are being saved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing. It's it's all about the kingdom, uh, and you look at like we don't want the kingdom without the king.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This yeah. is all like amounts to nothing right. without knowing Jesus and being known by Him before making him known like those are just two invitations of the Mm -hmm. three is we get to know him Mm -hmm. we get to be known by him and then we get to make him known and i I think that so many people want to make him known and they're really passionate and excited and we we can be and we should be and we will be but i think that our maybe equal or even greater excitement should come from the fuel of knowing jesus Mm -hmm. and and just being known by him as a Prized son or prized daughter. And I think of talking about the local church for a second, something that stands out to me, Brad, that you had said about Harvest Young Adults is it it really started with Pastor Greg's vision and extending, being an extension, being a vessel, Mm -hmm. being like a torpedo Mm -hmm. within that vision to the generation of college students in Riverside and to the generation of millennials or Generation Z. And within the broad stroke of the painting of the kingdom of God or the canvas or the mosaic that's beautiful of harvest or a local church you know young adult ministry or the the young adult population is just one component of that Mm -hmm. and it's a missing component at some churches but I think that there are a lot of pastors with a vision to reach this next generation and for whatever reason Mm -hmm. there's sometimes a barrier or a gap or a disconnect but I think that the the temptation or or the drawback is when many campus ministries or young adult ministries within the local church become siloed, or they become yeah. church, or they become, yeah. you know, like completely autonomous, and and then what I see is later on the growth of the college students, the growth of the young adults gets stunted mm-hmm. because they never they never get life on life discipleship. They never get mentorship with somebody who has gray hair. So I think all these things are part of of the aspects of importance, but can you just share from your angle at Harvest, will you share about the importance of being a part of the lifeblood of the local church?
2: Yeah, totally. You know, the thing that we continue to uh, speak into our young adult ministry over and over again is this idea that without sunday we don't have friday our Mm. our friday nights is for young adults and so we meet on campus not yet we're going to relaunch soon just with covid and everything but we're relaunching soon so we're stoked about that but um we we use that as a way of saying that friday night for our young adult ministry cannot happen without sunday morning church Mm -hmm. because sunday morning is the it's the driving force behind what we do because it's the church itself and without sunday morning we don't have a church. That's just the bottom line. We don't have this young adult ministry. If we don't have a church. Now, again, like you said, we could have a parachurch. It could be a mobile thing or, or whatever it is. But if we are genuinely believing as the Bible says, you know, Jesus said that the um, the gates of hell will not prevail against the local church. Like universities will fall down. Yeah. Other academia will fall down. The only lasting thing is the local church. The White House will come down. That's just an an inevitable reality. But it is the local church that will not be shaken. It cannot be broken down because it's God who built it. God didn't build these other things necessarily. That's the difference between the church and any other organization is this reality that God built it. And from the ground up, his whole intent and purpose was to have a church that impacted its local community. It was a place where... Our Sunday morning drives the, the unity that we're so longing for in 2020, that there are people from all different walks of life, from people of, of different faiths before coming and following Jesus, to have these different outlooks on life and yet all at the same time can agree that we're all under the branch and under the family of Jesus as being children of God, as the Bible says. And so for us as a young adult ministry, we are thankful for the local church because yes. without Sunday, we don't have Friday and we cannot do Friday without the Sunday. Um, and so our, our hope is that we wouldn't just involve young adults on Sunday mornings, but that we would integrate them into the lifeblood of the church. And I think that might be something that the youth ministry um, all around the world can kind of understand a little bit better. We, we try to involve youth into, you know, the lifeblood of Sunday mornings by, you know, having a youth takeover on a Sunday morning and whatnot. And that's great. No, no doubt. But at the same time, like if we're not integrating, which means like including them in the process of becoming more like Jesus, like the discipleship and the mentor mentoring, like you were talking about, if we're not integrating them into the lifeblood of the church and not allowing them to serve or, or even understand like, yeah, you have your youth night and that's great, but also know like you don't have youth without Sunday morning. And so we want to know that God built the church as a means of reaching the, the community. The Bible says, it doesn't say to the church, let, let the world come to you. It says, go to the world and go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so that is kind of a mantra that we have as well. Like, yeah, we're going to invite people to learn almost kind of like a, a barracks, if you will, like you're, you're getting your battle plans here at the church, but then you're executing your battle plans out on the field because that's where God's called us. And so that's why we reach the universities. That's why we have worship nights and coffee shops. That's why we welcome all walks of life, knowing that when you encounter Jesus, you are encountering life and you are encountering a unity that everyone's been striving for. And that's what's so beautiful about the gospel when we share it is that the Bible says that God has no favorites. God is, God is not a, a favoritist. He does not favor one skin color over another or one, um, one bank account over another. He is inclusive of all who would come to me, as Jesus says, who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And that's the rest that the local church can continue to share with the rest of the world and the community around them.
1: Yeah, Brad, one of my favorite things I've ever heard said about a young adult ministry is what you said that without Sunday, there are no Fridays, you know, and and I, my mind started going with like Good Friday and then Easter Sunday as well. But I I love this of what you said, like without Sunday, there are no Fridays. And then the vision piece for you, for the young adults to get involved with, I wrote down is what if because of fridays sundays never looked the same because of the overflow of fridays so good so good and
2: and that's actually something we've just recently started to see um because that is something that of course i love fridays and I, i think i would probably continue to desire fridays over sundays but that's very selfish of me because i get to teach and you know we get to create leadership and things like that but at the same time what we're seeing on the sunday morning shift is we're seeing young adults who would just come on Fridays who are starting to come on Sunday mornings. And we have um, a little section in our sanctuary uh, before COVID hit where we got to sit together as a young adult ministry yeah. Yeah. so we could worship together. And, and quite frankly, they could see my wife and I, who at the time, you know, on Friday, they see our leadership in, in our teaching and discipleship and other things. But what they see us on Sundays, we're just worshipers. We are attending church just like they are. Yeah. And it's not easy because you know as you know too like when you're when you're there on a Sunday morning you're looking at like well how's the production going like does someone need help or whatever else and those things happen but it's also important for us as leaders of young adult ministries or anyone in in any type of ministry to make sure that they're worshipers first before they do that like our our staff position can sometimes get in the way of us being a a worshiper or even a member of the church itself. And so it's important for us to not only teach our people, but also to come alongside them and know like, hey, I'm worshiping God with you right now. And I have no agenda to uh, try to work or or anything like that right now. Like I'm genuinely just basking in the presence of God and trying to glean from him what he has for us as a ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think that that allows them to begin to trust us in the process of knowing like we're being transparent through our suffering and we're being transparent through just worshiping and attending church and taking notes just like you are.
0: Brad, I think that's so good. I'm actually reminded just of what you're sharing of you worshiping with your wife and the young adults all sitting together. The last two ministry that, ministries that I've come out of, I've been on staff at one and then came alongside Josiah in the most recent um, out of the church, more or less. Um, there's nothing more exciting than going to a Sunday service and knowing where the young adults sit, yeah. knowing that yeah. some young adult, a new young adult comes to the door and they're like, oh, that's where the young adults sit. And right. I feel like exclusive, um, more or less, but right. to say like, there's a place for you. And if you're new, walking through the door, you will not leave without being introduced to at least 10 yep. to 20 of my closest people, whether they attend my Bible study, whether we right. do Friday nights together, whether we do coffee together, whether there's mentorship and just real community happening. And I just want to encourage the listener, if you're in that so season, I look back on those seasons and I, I long for those seasons again. That was over eight wow. years ago. But I'm just like, oh, that's when it, that felt like the prime of who I was personally growing, and just yeah. really sharpened and spurred on. And and granted, like there's those ups and downs in ministry where like things are on the rise, and you're like, okay, we're kind of plateauing here. What needs to change? Is it me? Right. Is it leadership? Is it my attitude? Am I getting in the way? So I mean. Just for the listener, if you're on that high, I mean, ride that wave and enjoy it and and don't despise the small days or don't despise, despise the small yeah. things that God puts before us. And which leads me to the question, um, Brad, if there's somebody who is God's asking them to build a brand new ministry, God is entrusting them to. Kind of start the integration process from a grassroots foundation. Right. Maybe they're not even on staff. Maybe there's not yeah. even a place for them in the church, quote unquote, um, with a staff member or a pastor and their spouse overseeing that. Um, for a brand new young adult like leading, who has a blank canvas in front of them, what would you share with them in terms of connecting their 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 personal young adult giftings? to the local church and giving back on that Sunday and yeah. how have you seen that happen at harvest and maybe you kind of alluded to it a little bit just this last go around with Fridays and Sundays kind of connecting but it sure. that, there's any is there anything that you want to share?
2: Yeah I think um, anyone who's starting something like that just know uh, the amount of sacrifice it's going to take like let's just be straight up with that you know even as a married couple like you guys are There are sacrifices I've had to make and there are sacrifices my wife has had to make and they're not easy, but we see the benefit of them. And I think the biggest thing for anyone who's wanting to start even a young adult or even just any ministry or even to plant a church, like for crying out loud, like those are the things that God puts on your heart and presses on you for a reason. And so I wouldn't say that you try to discourage someone from doing that because it it ultimately can be coming from God. But I think in that process too, like, pray and seek the lord in that and through his word he will give you that peace in a way that you you could never have experienced before and i think that for someone who's starting something fresh like that um it, it's very easy to think outside the box i i am a uh, the analogy i use is i'm, I'm like a balloon I, I love to take off i have all these big ideas i'm all puffed up with air and my wife is the string that keeps me grounded because if I don't have, if I don't have that string, that that balloon's going to be all over the place and it, it may be good ideas. And probably more than often than not, it's going to be a weird and wild idea that maybe you should wait on. But I think what it is is just sticking to the, the simple things when it comes yeah. to church, when it comes to ministry. Um, you know, we've been called to study the word of God that we might be someone who's approved. Um, we have also been called to go out and to disciple people. And so if you're, if you're doing those two things, if you're teaching the word of God and if you're living out the word of God and whatever strategy you think can fit into those things without compromise, mm-hmm. those are the ways that you can actually see success in your ministry. You know, we've, we've done a lot of fluff over the year. Um, over the years of ministry, whether it was an Easter egg drop or it was, you know, a Halloween this or that or whatever, but what it comes down to, and I think what this quarantine has made people realize,
1: yep. is they
2: just want to go back to church to hear the word of God yep. and to worship and to be in fellowship. And if you can keep those three elements at its core without compromise, sticking to your conviction you're going to find so much success in being able to understand what God is going to bless. And, you know, Micah, you, you mentioned it earlier about, um, you know, being faithful in the little things. So often we want to be faithful with big things yep. and we want to prove we can be faithful with big things by being given big things. But the the method and the the idea is that, as Jesus said, like, if you're faithful with little, you will be made faithful with much. Mm -hmm. And the faithful things are just like I mentioned earlier, like being a worshiper yourself, studying the word of God, taking notes on a Sunday morning, being a part of the congregation. And it's those little things that will over time catapult you into a ministry Mm -hmm. where God can now trust you as an ambassador to take this ministry and to impact the people within that core group of what um, of what you're, of what you're capable of. And, you know, there has been a lot of heartache in my ministry thinking like, well, I'm, I now get to oversee this ministry. I have a budget. I have all these things like I'm going to buy this and we're going to do this. And we're going to have that. And it was a very humbling experience, even within the first two weeks of of ministry and just be open to the advice of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's no rush to what's happening. Like I said earlier, God's church will always prevail. It will always be here and everyone who's in ministry will always have an opportunity to do something for the kingdom. And I think the biggest thing for them to realize is that they're not alone yeah. nor should they do it alone, especially as a husband, especially as a wife, like we should not be doing those things alone. My wife is involved in every aspect of my I ministry because of accountability. And it shouldn't be, Oh, well, this is just my thing. And then when I come home, like it's you know separate and that's, a, that's, a, I, that's the other thing too we can't, um, we can't unmarry the, the spiritual and the secular, like, oh, well, I go to church and I do these things. But once I get off campus, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to act out this way. It's like, God never intended for you to have a spiritual life and a secular life. They are one life integrated um, throughout all aspects of life. And so be honest about what you're wanting to start and know that you're not alone, nor should you be alone and trust other people, because that's where the belong comes into. Like, I can't do this without you. I need your help. I need your gift. Oh, you can play, you can play worship or you can play an acoustic guitar. I have no musical background whatsoever, but you do. And that's awesome. Use that gift and come and and bless us. Oh, you love to be hospitable. Perfect. You're going to greet people at the door. You love to serve. Guess what? You're going to come and do this. And it's all delegating the responsibilities that we all get to share Because at the end of the day, we're not laying up treasures here on earth. We're laying them in heaven. Right.
1: That's outstanding. And right in the same vein with that, Micah doesn't know that I'm going to do this, but you were talking about equipping and delegating and really just empowering the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I've watched Micah just be a a dynamic community builder. And I think whether like what we did when we were leading together at Cedar Valley Church in Bloomington like we would all sit together section a Mm -hmm. every Sunday, both services. It was like young adults. We'd go out to lunch after. And Mm -hmm. um, Micah just had this gift for helping young women, especially. But I think when you get the women, God uses hormones and you get the guys too. And so what's amazing, but I would watch her do just like, Micah, can you just off the cuff five dynamic ideas for building community? It might be serving coffee together. It might be, Mm -hmm. you know, Bible studies. Like, just five for the listener who needs maybe to pray and contextualize it, but just the idea share, what are five ideas that you've seen Mm -hmm. um, build dynamic young adult community within Sundays, within the local church?
0: Oh yeah. Within Sundays, I would say definitely um, men do well serving side by side and women want to talk across the table. That's so So good. What better way to do that is to get on the serving committee with the coffee team. So like we, we would I would always say I learned this from the first church I was at in Bismarck North Dakota was attend one service serve one you attend one serve one Yes, so you're there so good. once a month or you could do all four weeks if you mm-hmm. really wanted to but um, side by side and then coffee I think is both good for men and women and then if they're serving the same you know you get to see a community of men and women and to learn how to be treated as a woman by a godly brother in Christ and vice versa I think that's important so if you could do community not only him and her, but you know, he, she's, but also the we's. Um, so coffee, I would say, side by side. Um, two, I would say, if you go up for go up for lunch every Sunday, somebody want to go out for lunch somewhere, and you were aware that everybody's on a budget, everybody's not wanting to spend a lot of money, so you go to a place where you know there are Sunday specials, or you know where there are certain appetizers, or whatever you want to say. I would say three. What brings people together is. Um, does it have to be on a sunday no no okay um i would say in just doing um life I mean, people, I'd invite people. Hey, you want to go get groceries with me? Hey, do you want to yep. go work out at the gym with me? Hey, do you want to go be a buddy pass over here? Hey, do you want to go rock climbing? Inviting yep. one-on-ones outside of the Sunday service, especially for the new believer or the pre-believer who doesn't know up from down, right from wrong. And you just say, hey, you just get to see my life. And this is how I engage with a lady across in the so cafeteria. Good. This is how I engage with people that are checking me out in this aisle. Like, People see that and they're like, why do you talk to everybody? Why are you so friendly? Why don't you cuss or why don't you swear? Like people start watching your verbals and your nonverbal. So I would say inviting them into your life and into those special events. Um, for i I'd be I'd say celebrate with people. If people are, you so, know, yeah. if they're going to graduate, if they're graduating, I'd say for the 20 right. year old. If they are getting baptized, yes. if there's a water baptism. We would always make a birthday party or it. something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fifth thing I would say to connect, um, because I love discipleship and mentorship, I would say if you're young adult ministry, um, women, we would have um, every quarter, I think it was, that have like a big women's event. Well, our Bible study would go serve there and either we would, we would attend there or we would help serve there. And then we'd go out for supper afterwards. What so are, good. 10 o'clock apps, who cares? 10 o'clock apps. So kind of just seeing those are
2: some of the best too.
0: Yes. And those are how we see the cross generational things happening is and when we volunteer in the big C church, um, or the the church that we're attending, when we invite them into our life, but then also when we step into the men's ministry as young adults and attend or serve. Yeah. And same with the women. So Sorry, that may have been a long answer. That was just off the top of my head. So good. Oh, it, it you stumbled. crushed it. and it was, it was no
1: prep, too. It's just who you are. It overflows. Oh, gosh. And Come I on. think in the spirit of rapid fire, five things, Brad, how we close every episode is we give our guest the opportunity to share five things in five minutes. We call it the five and five. You up okay. for a rapid fire challenge? Let's do it. Come on. Cool. Well, to kick us off, if you could describe yourself in any three words they could be of the english language or a variety of any language Um, but any three words to describe yourself what would they be
2: oh man uh coffee nerd want to want to be golfer um girl dad for sure uh biggest laker fan you've ever seen in your life
0: oh dang all right what a
1: good what a good question to get to know people i feel like i know you better (laughs) now so good
0: Question number two, are there any words that you live by? Maybe it's a verse, like a quote. Is there anything that you live by?
2: Yeah, we actually, so um, I'm going to pull up my phone real quick. So my my wife and I, when we first got married, we always um, believed that there was something for our family Hmm. to live by always. And so I think what we have... Um, discovered for us is uh, five things, uh, or actually, four, four things. Um, our decisions that are made will be for the edification of our family into the glory of God. Our hope will not be found on earth, our hope will remain in Christ. Our words will be seasoned with love, encouragement, and forgiveness, and our conduct will be loving, gracious, merciful, and hopeful. And those are all based on different scriptures that Jesus had throughout the gospels you know he says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you there's a reason he he's telling us to seek something first because we don't always seek him first right and so that's something that we always try to um instill within our family and like those are the core values of our of our faith for my family in particular and those are things we've prayed over and those are the the ways that we try to live obviously it doesn't always happen but those are the things that we're able to remind one another, like, Hey, this is how we live. And this is what we try to live by each and every day.
1: This interview is like a treasure chest. Every question, oh, man. like we were just <laughs> finding new nuggets of gold and the curve so in today's conversation is Brad, if you could ask Mike and I, anything, any question related to ministry or not, what would it be?
2: Oh man, that's a great question.
0: Great. Um,
2: What'd you
1: say?
0: I said I'm sweating. <laughs> oh
2: man, come on!
0: I'm ready. Let's see.
2: If you okay, if you could co-write a book on any topic, what would it be?
0: Mm. Go ahead. You it's, first. it's
1: in the works. <laughs> it's happening. Is it really?
0: Yeah. So I mean, good. Come I have on. to say it's about relationships. Um, One thing that we see in young adult ministry is love, sex, dating, purity. Um, Maybe the church always hasn't had the best, um, most attractive approach to the young adult, um, maybe living in shame or living in guilt or trying to walk through everyday life with that. So um, that's kind of what we're working on. We said that we're going when we went into COVID that we want something when we walk out of COVID. Um, One, we had a baby. (laughs) number two we're writing a book together so that's actually the first time that we're actually sharing so that's like a big
2: announcement right now yeah that's like our second
0: baby right there (laughs)
2: that's
0: (laughs) wild
1: so good we're we're in uh, speaking of books we're an open book so we have to ask or you know answer any question honestly so there you have it what good a public accountability that it's now out there (laughs)
0: All right, Brad. Exactly. Question number four. That was a great question, okay. by the way. All right. What is the greatest challenge you are facing right now?
2: Hmm. Um. Man, that's a really good one. Um, the biggest challenge I'm facing right now, honestly, it's probably trusting authority, um, trusting leadership. Um, you know, at the end of the day, and this isn't this isn't a surprise to anyone who who knows me, but we believe, my wife and I, that we have been called to plant a church. We don't know when, we know where, um, but there are always ways in which God reveals to us his will, and, and we know that that will happen over time, and I think even through COVID and stuff like that, it's like, man, this is a perfect opportunity to go, and you know, you, you take every sign you see as, like, is that God's way of telling us to go, and it's not, and it's not yet soon. And uh, the leadership of the church here knows that that's our desire. And so that's not a secret to them either. But I think it's just knowing like, man, we could really like, we could own this. Like we've done so much ministry together, 15 years on staff, serving together, husband and wife, like we could do this. And it's like, God is saying, stay put. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, okay, we are staying put and and we are believing and trusting that God's timing is better than our own. And we want to make sure that we're doing everything accordingly because this is what he's entrusted to us right now. He has entrusted us with a young adult ministry and we are believing that and we are owning it and we are living each and every day with the intent of doing the best that we can to the ability that God's given us to, in, to impact where we are right now. And if it happens where we stay here at the church at Harvest, praise God. Yeah. And if not, and we go and plant a church, like that's God's calling on our life. There's nothing any human can do about that.
0: Right.
1: It's amazing. I think that I've just observed a lot of young adult pastors who like God uses young adult ministry as such an amazing training ground. And you've had 15 years of training ground, but young adult ministry is such a great way to like pastor a, a group of people, a community, right. and then it launches them into planting a church. And yesterday, or I guess this week, the episode that came out was with Jarvis Glanzer, great pastor, great um church planter here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so for you or for anybody else, like, man, we've just watched a lot of people plant amazing churches. Wow. And so that's cool. To come to a close, Brad, we've enjoyed this time so much. The last thing is if you could tell one thing to a group of that was like, okay, you know, Friday night, and Friday night switched up a bit. All the people visiting are college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, and we hand you the mic to share one thing with them. What's that thing wow. going to be?
2: Wow. Yeah, no pressure, huh? <laughs>
1: um,
2: I think it's a it's a mix of uh, transparency and um, being real, because I think that there's an element where we – We have to kind of present ourselves as if we have it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to present this idea like, you know, they're looking to us for guidance. They're looking to us for wisdom. And if we don't have it, then they might leave or they might go find it somewhere else. And there might be a fear attached to that. So I think transparency. And um, I think um, I, I wrote a sermon three years ago, I think it was called God Over Gimmicks. Hmm. And I think that might be the other element to the transparency because the, the gimmicks work to, to bring them, but they don't always keep them.
0: Hmm.
2: And the, the thing that keeps people at your church or within the ministry is the, the fact that God is involved in it. You know, so often in our culture, we want to impact the culture. Yet what happens is we end up becoming more like the culture than we do opposite of that. How how does the culture see the church different than any other place they could go hang out? How is young, Harvest Young Adults different from a bar or from a coffee shop or something like that? And not to say that they can't find God in those other places, because I've heard of evangelistic ways to reach people in bars and coffee shops and other things. But I think it's also having to come to the idea of like, hey, we have free pizza every Friday, um, come hang out, you know? Oh, okay, 50 people show up. And it's like, oh, well, I heard there was free pizza. It's like, okay, well, now the expectation is that you have to have this free pizza thing every single week. Because the, the one week you don't have, it's like, hey, where's our pizza? You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, like, we we don't have any right now. It's like, oh, okay, next week, th- those people may not be there. And so the the God over gimmicks, I think, is a bigger thing to um, recognize as a leader. Like, th- there, there's nothing wrong with being creative. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But if we're keeping them, or if we're trying to bring them in with that, we can't always keep them with that. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's going to keep them coming back is that they've encountered Jesus. That's the, okay. and at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. If Whether you can find a creative way to do that, or if it's just, we're going to have a Bible study, we're going to have some worship and yeah, sure. We'll get you guys some coffee. Like that, that works. Um, the God over gimmicks, I think might be the biggest thing I might share with uh, young adult pastors or college students or, or anyone who's listening.
1: Love it, Brad. You are a prince of a guy, and we've really enjoyed oh. our time today. So thanks for spending some time with us. Of
2: course. You guys, seriously, thank you for having me. I appreciate that oh, more yeah. than you know.
1: <laughs> and if you're listening today, thanks so much for joining us. You can find out more about Pastor Brad Armande Jr., Harvest Young Adults, as well as Harvest Christian Fellowship when you check out our podcast online at www.youngadults.com. Dot today as well as across all social media platforms the handle is at young adults today and brad we hope to see you soon at arcade coffee in riverside california
2: come on let's go can't wait <laughs> all right great talking to you guys thank you you too babe.